So Philippians chapter 3. And the focus of our passage today is going to be verses 7 through 11. Chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, verses 7 through 11. And this is the word of the Lord. Here's Paul writing. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I pray that you have all had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. It's not over yet. It's still in the, in the process. And I pray that you've had time to reflect on how good God has been to you, that you have taken some time to thank him for the things that he has blessed you with, such as your family, such as your spouse if you're married, your, your children if you have any, your career, your home, your church, your friends, your church family, whatever it is, I hope and I pray that you have been thankful this weekend. And I'm sure that we could all say, even with any trials that we might be going through, we went through the book of First Peter. It's all about uh, trials that, are, that we're facing, but in the midst of that, God is with us. We are his people, right? I hope that even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of tough circumstances, we can all say, we could all declare that God is good, that he has been good to us beyond measure. Amen? God is a good God, and not only to us who believe in him, not only to us whom Jesus died for, God is in so many ways good to everybody, even those who don't acknowledge him. Matthew 5, 45 tells us that he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is a good God, so we have reasons to be thankful our God is good. But this morning, I'd like to take us up a notch, if you will. I'd like to take our thanksgiving beyond this earthly sphere, beyond the temporal, beyond the finite, beyond those things that we can see, touch, and smell around us. It's very easy to be thankful for the things that we see we have and we say, God, thank you for these things that we should. But I want to see beyond those things. I want to see beyond Black Friday. I want to see beyond Cyber Monday. I want to see beyond now um, um, Small Business Saturday. It seems like we go, a ton of people go and, and they worship at these altars, I want to say we want to go beyond all that. We want to go down and give thanks this morning for the eternal things. Give thanks this morning for the immeasurable blessing of God towards us in Christ Jesus. That's our, that's our focus this morning. Not the earthly plane, but the heavenly plane in Christ Jesus. 
our Lord and our Savior who died for us, to save us. And I pray, here is, here is the longing of my heart, and I pray that this heart of thanksgiving would remain with us that it would remain, that we would be so thankful for the cross, so thankful for Christ and his atoning work, that it would cause us to live a life of incredible purpose, of incredible mission, that our lives would even be defined as radical, radical lives for Christ, because we're so thankful for what he has done with us. Radical how? Well, radical in our worship, radical in our evangelism, that we, would, that, we, that we would be bold to share the love of Christ if we truly are thankful for what he has done for us and in us and through us. How could we hold it in? How could we contain it? We must be able to share it. And if it is true that I was once dead in my sins and now I, I am saved by his love and by his grace, how could I not worship him in spirit and in truth? If I'm truly thankful, how can I not serve Serve my neighbor, serve my friend, serve those whom God is, he loves and he's seeking after for them to be saved as well. How, how could I not be radical in my holiness? My, my own desire to, in gratitude towards God, to say, look, Lord, you died for each one of these sins, each one of these temptations. I cannot, will not, I will fight this flesh in order in order to honor you, because I am thankful. And even radical in my joy. Radical in your joy. That no matter what circumstance may come your way, no matter what trial, no matter what difficulty, that you would say, along with Paul and along with the saints, if God is for us, who be against us? If I have Jesus, I have it all. I believe this, that we will live radical lives according to the measure of the gratitude that we have with God for what Christ has done for us. If you're, if you're going to be radical in, in your walk with God in such a way that others would see what is it about you, why are you so happy, why, are you, why do you have so much purpose, why are you so excited about the things of God, I believe that that is a consequence. It is, it is from a heart that is thankful towards God for what Jesus has done. Church, do you realize this, that we were all once dead in our sins, and now we've been made alive. That's a reason to be thankful. We were once lost, and the only one who could find us and save us both found us and saved us. Are you truly thankful and amazed by the truth this morning are you in danger of becoming a radical Christian? I hope so. In our text this morning, in our text that I just read, we find the Apostle Paul, who is no doubt a radical Christian. Just by uh, reading the, this epistle, you would find this to be true. In order to set a bit our context, Paul is in Rome. He always wanted to preach there. He always wanted to plant churches there. He always wanted to be of major influence there in Rome. He is excited. He is motivated. He is counting it all as joy. And here comes the radical part. He's not a free man. He's in prison. He is not a free man. He is in prison. He is in shackles. But he has a resolve. He has a resolve. 
His worship is radical. His, his evangelism is radical. To such a point that the word is getting out in Rome about the gospel through his words as he's chained up to a soldier on a rotation. He is preaching the gospel to them, and as he preaches the gospel to them, they are, they are taking it to their homes and to their neighborhoods, and the word is getting out, he says, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And over and over and over again, he says, I count it all as loss. Rejoice in the Lord. I say rejoice. He's telling the church who is bummed out because he's in jail. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. It is all good. This is part of God's plan. This is part of his purpose. He's encouraging his brothers and sisters to live a similar life as what he is living. So he goes on encouraging them. And when he gets to chapter 3, even from a jail cell, he is, he is defending the gospel. He is watching out for the church, right? <laughs> and he's very blunt and very brash in how, in how he says things. I love it because he says, look out for those dogs in verse 2 of chapter 3. Those evildoers that were adding to the gospel Teaching that you needed Christ, yes, but you also needed to obey the law. You needed to be circumcised. In other words, these men were unwilling to give up their human confidence and achievement. Paul calls this the flesh. Oh, they were thankful for God in Jesus Christ, but they were thankful also to themselves for their accomplishment and what they've been able to achieve. Possibly thankful to some degree, but you cannot cannot be fully thankful if you think that there's anything in you that you must thank yourself for in terms of your salvation. Their mindset would not produce a heart of thanksgiving. That just produces a heart of legalism. Paul says, nope, if we read on, he says in verse three, for we are the real circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. We are those who truly worship. We are the ones that have put no confidence in the flesh. We are the ones, he says, that get it. We were dead in our sins, unable to be made right with God, and Jesus made it happen. He made it happen when he died for us, when he died for our sins. He brought about to our lives forgiveness, redemption, salvation, a relationship with God. That was Paul's reality when he wrote this. That is our reality today. No earthly confidence, no human achievement. The flesh avails me nothing, nothing. Only Christ and his atoning work on the cross. How can we not be grateful for that? How can we not be radical because of that? Paul considered all his achievements, his, his pedigree, if you would, his religion as a Pharisee, his own zeal, his own self-righteousness as rubbish. If you go on to read, he says, he is making the point here, these evildoers, these dogs that were so high on themselves, that they brought their own self-righteousness because of their, of their position in society or because of their uh, zeal for religion or because of their own good works and deeds. Paul says in verse four, though I myself have a reason 
for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcising the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, blameless. He was the Jew, the Hebrew of Hebrews. And what does he say? I count it all as loss. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Can you say the same thing? Can you say the same thing in regards to all that you've achieved, in regards to all that you have received, in regards to all you have been thankful for this weekend? Can you say that all of it pales in comparison to the thankfulness you have in your heart for Christ? Do you love Christ more than anything else? Do you, do you love him more than your mother, your father, your wife, your children, even your own life? Some of you might be saying, I can't believe he said that. I didn't. Jesus did in Luke 14, 26. Do you love him that much? Yes, I'm thankful for this earthly plane, but when you put that when you weigh that with the love and the thankfulness that you have for Christ, does it compare to Paul? He had it all. And he said, I count it all as loss. He was radical. A radical Christian with purpose and a mission. That's our calling. That's our calling. And let me tell you guys that if you love Christ that much, you will love your wife that much more, husbands. If you love Christ that much, you would be that much of a better father, of a better, a, a better mother, a better friend, a better Christian. And we are to pursue Christ for what he has done. And it all starts with a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving so here's what I want us to see in this passage. How can we be like Paul? How can we be this radical? How can we have this much purpose and mission? Number one, be thankful for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Be thankful for the, for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. He says in verse eight, if I can read it again, indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Another translation would say, or a more accurate one even, the excellencies of the knowledge of Christ. Be thankful for the knowledge that you have of Christ. Nothing is greater than having the knowledge of Christ. To have the knowledge of Christ is to know the meaning of life. To have the knowledge of Christ is to know the love of God. It is to know God. If you know who Christ is, at least we have this word, his, his, his word that he gave to us. We could have the ability, we could have the, the understanding of who Christ is. If you know, if you have the knowledge of Christ, you know that his love, the love of God reached down to us. If you know have the knowledge of Christ, you have the gospel. You know it. You know it. I like it also how it says in the ESV, the ESV says the surpassing worth, the surpassing worth 
of knowing Christ. Nothing is more valuable. No information is more valuable. It says in Colossians 2, 2 and 3, here's Paul speaking about these Christians, this church, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the richness of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to know wisdom. You want wisdom. You want to know the hidden treasures. Look at Christ. Look at Christ. Be thankful this morning for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Count everything else as loss in comparison. Don't beat on yourself on your chest because of the knowledge that you have received with your education, with your career, with all the information that you've been able to absorb. All that avails you not much. Be completely amazed with the knowledge of Christ, the surpassing worth of knowing him. Desire more and more of that knowledge. Be in his word. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time with the church. Be part of a community group. Be part of of some Bible study. Get involved. Get involved. Get in the word. Be in prayer. Get more of God in Jesus Christ. Have more knowledge of him. I believe that in order for us to have radical lives and to be, it all starts with a heart of thanksgiving. Be thankful for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Secondly, be thankful for being found in Christ. Verse nine, he says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, in Christ. Be thankful for being found in Christ. That's an amazing statement. To be found for each one of us who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we would be found in Christ. We're no longer lost. We have our coordinates. We have our location. Wherever Christ is, that's where we are at. We are found in Christ. Paul elsewhere speaks of us being the body of Christ, right? We are in Christ. Christ, in 1 Corinthians 12, if you would all turn there, please, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, it says this, in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, And all were made to drink of one spirit. This word baptized, it doesn't mean water baptism. It means being immersed, being being in Christ, being found in Christ, covered with Christ. Covered with Christ. Galatians 3.23 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How amazing is that? Then not only have I received the knowledge of Christ, but that I find myself being thankful because I am found in Christ. I have put on Christ. I have been immersed in Christ, baptized into Christ. 
be amazed by that. How are you placed there? Who put you there? Simple. Your faith. Your faith. And when I say your faith, I say that it is not even your own doing. God gave you that faith. Faith is a gift from God when he called you, predestined you, elected you so that you would not boast in your achievements but only in his grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have been placed in Christ. That's why Paul says to be found, to be found in Christ. That was the longing of his heart that's, that's what he was boasting about, to be found in him. So be thankful for knowing Christ, for knowing him, to be found in him. Third, be thankful for the righteousness, his righteousness that he has given to you. Be thankful for his righteousness given to you. To be found in Christ brings to you imputed righteousness. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. How is that possible? Well, that's what we call the doctrine of justification. God declared you innocent on the merits of Christ. God, as the judge, the holy, just judge, who had to punish sin, and you are a sinner, and he needed to punish that sin in your life, yet Jesus Christ dies for you. He takes your place, and God the Father on the merits of Jesus on your behalf declares you innocent and punishes his son on a cross. Jesus died in your place so that you would receive his righteousness. Be thankful for that. I hope that's what you've been thankful for mostly this week. And let me tell you, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to focus on those things, on these realities, on these amazing truths in our culture because so many other things are attached to Thanksgiving, even parades on TV. We could get so involved. And I'm not saying that those things are necessarily bad. They're not bad. They're good. But don't let those things be what fills your heart with gratitude. May it be Christ and what he has done. He has given you his righteousness. Let that just sink in. He has given you his righteousness. It says in Romans 4, 3 through 5, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as a due. And to the one who does not work, but trust him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Those that work for their salvation work to be made right with God. Those who think are full of pride and they think that they can make it on their own, to them there is no righteousness from Christ. But to those who understand that there's nothing I could do, there's not one thing that I could physically do 
to be drawn to God, only God and his mercy and his grace as I cry out to him, than to those who understand that works mean nothing to them. Righteousness is given. The righteousness of God. Be thankful for that righteousness. Fourth, be thankful for knowing Christ in verse 10. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Oh, there's a difference between knowing of someone and knowing someone. We all know of George Washington. We all know of Abraham Lincoln. We all know of Moses. We all know of Peter. We all know of Paul. We all know of so many people, even relatives of ours, but we don't intimately know them. Why? Well, because they're dead. They're dead. I could hear of my family members back in the day, my great-grandparents and all that they had, and, and I know of them. I, I can't appreciate Paul and how he writes and the zeal that he has for the things of the Lord. I could appreciate who he was. Paul was a guy who was Man, passionate. He was always a passionate person. Even when he was lost, he, was, he still had passion for the things that he believed in. I think of John the Baptist, right? His person, his character, the resolve that he had to dress how he dressed and eat what he ate and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Oh, so many. But I don't know any one of them. Hopefully, I'll meet them in in heaven someday. Hey, David, what did it feel like to be forgiven of your sins? What did it feel like to write Psalm 51 as you repented of your sins? There will be a day where I could, we can, the redeemed could speak to others and get to know them for all eternity. Get to know them. But here's one thing that Paul is thankful for and that he is holding on to. It is this. He knows Christ. Did Paul ever physically meet Christ when he was on earth? No. Paul was never one of the 12 disciples. Paul, on his way to to Damascus to put some Christians in jail with a warrant, Jesus appeared to him, the risen Christ appeared to Paul. And from that day on, he was never the same, had a relationship with Christ, an intimate relationship with Christ, the Christ that he never saw physically as a man. He did see him in glory. He did see him in that manifestation on that road. And who knows how much more, because Paul is one who says he was caught up into the third heaven and all this description that he has, but he says he knows Christ. Christ, and guess what? We need to be thankful too because we know Christ too. Do you know Christ? If you, if you truly have received the knowledge of Christ, if you truly, if you truly, truly have been found in Christ, be put been put in Christ, if you have received the righteousness of Christ, then guess what? 
you know Christ. You know what it means to be forgiven. You know what it means to be dead in your sins and now alive, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The gospel has, has affected our lives, has changed us. If I would ask some of you to walk up here and share your testimony, we would be amazed at the radical transformation that some of you have gone through from drunks and womanizers and, and, and doing drugs and lying and stealing and cheating to one who is living for Christ, radical for Christ, seeking holiness and purity and serving others and loving others, being Christ-like. The only way that that's been possible is because you know Christ. Christ, the Spirit of God in Christ, has taught you, has changed you. You know him. We are one with him. Be thankful for that. And know this, that, you're, that your Savior desires to live through you and in you. Know that. In the midst of all of our distractions, in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our everyday, know this, that the Christ that you know, that sometimes we take for granted, the Christ that you know, that knows you, wants to do something great through you, wants to use you, wants relationship with you. He wants to love you. Do you know that? If you do, be thankful for that. Be thankful for that. And I have to admit that there are times in my life where I feel Christ distant. That's not his fault, that's mine. That's not his fault, that is mine. That's not his fault, that is yours, that is you. What can cause him to feel distance? Well, very easily when we're out of focus, when we are more entertaining the things of this world, maybe even thankful for the things of this world more so than Christ. When we build idols in our lives, things that we start worshiping and we don't even know we're worshiping. Paul was one here who understood very clearly at the point when he was writing this letter, he knew that there are no idols in his life worth worshiping, that there isn't anything worth being distracted from. He says, I count all those things as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. If you're here this morning, you're saying, he feels so distant, so distant. My heart is not burning with love for God. I tell you this, Start knocking down some idols. Start repenting of some sins. And Christ is going to find you where, where you are. He's always been there. But it takes surrender. It takes for us to say, Jesus, you are all that I need. Be thankful for knowing him. Fifth, be thankful for the power of the resurrection. Verse 10, he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and I may be share and share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Be thankful for the power of the resurrection. 
Be thankful not only because our Savior, because he lives, but because the same power that raised Jesus from the grave will raise us up in the last days. It's the same power of God that lives in us. It's the same power of God that saved us. One day we will, we will all go through death, possibly if the Lord doesn't return in our lifetime. We will all die, and that will bring about some degree of suffering, some degree of pain, Jesus died, yet he rose from the grave, yet he was resurrected by the power of God. Paul here is identifying himself that he will share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that he will die as well. And Paul knew at the end of 2 Timothy that his days were done. He knew that he was going to die a martyr at the hands of Nero. He knew it. Yet, In that knowledge, he says, I am sharing in the sufferings of Christ and the hope that he had was the resurrection that he too would be risen by the power of Christ. That is our hope as well. That is our hope, no matter how we die or by what means we die, by by natural causes, by tragedy, by persecution, whatever the case, we will be sharing in the sufferings of Christ, which in result just means a glorious resurrection. Glorious resurrection. Be thankful for the resurrection, for the power of God, the power of God. How do you live radical lives? I think we could look at Paul here through his radical life and his radical um, love for God. He had resolve. Paul wasn't a shaky on his belief on who Jesus was. Paul was convinced. Paul was convinced that this was true. How is it that you could say, just like Paul, I count all things I rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ? How can you do that? Only, only, only if you have truly, truly, truly experienced the love of God. I hope and I pray that each one of us would seek, would, would first have this life, have this life that he offers to us freely. And that, and that secondly, that we would deepen our walk with him as we seek out to be thankful for what he has done and in turn become radical, radical in our walk, in our daily walk with him. So as we just go back and see this again real quickly, in order for us to be this radical Christian, we need to be thankful for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ Secondly, be thankful for being found in Christ. You have been placed there by God into the body. Third, that we will be thankful for the righteousness given to you. We had no righteousness at all, and we received righteousness from Christ. He is who justified us. He is who imputed to us righteousness. And then be thankful for knowing Christ intimately, relationally, Not a a monologue, but a dialogue. We know him. And be thankful for the power of the resurrection. That by any means possible, we will attain the resurrection from the dead. From the dead. If you turn to 1 Corinthians real quickly, please. 15, 1 Corinthians 15. 
starting at verse 50. Talking about the resurrection here. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must, be, must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the, and, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Here's a, a thankfulness here. But thanks be to God who, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll end with this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Not in vain. Thank be to God that he provided for us Christ. Thank be to God that what we do here is not in vain. Thank be to God that God is blessing the labor of our work for his glory, not our own. My desire is that all of us would be radical for Jesus Christ. Let us be first thankful, and in turn, that would become radical living.